Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to Fantasy Sports Today here on Sports Grid. Craig Mish along with Davis Maddock for the next two hours talking fantasy with you. We've got our headlines. We've got everything to cover here on this show, including the NBA, a little Major League Baseball talk. We'll talk a little hot stove. And of course, Davis will give us a nice preview of the upcoming PGA tournament this weekend. So we'll talk about that as well. Davis, plenty of going on, of course, in the NBA last night and some really exciting games and a lot of scoring, too. So plenty to cover today. Yeah, lots to cover. Uh, really interesting night in the NBA last night. Uh, you needed about 450 points to win any serious money in NBA Daily Fantasy last night. We had, uh, you know, Bradley Beal going crazy, uh, John Wall, Julius Randle uh, for the New York Knicks, just losing his mind. Probably Ben Simmons' career best game last night for the 76ers with Joel Embiid not playing. Just a, a wild night in the association. Yeah, no doubt. All right, let's get to our headlines here. We'll start off with a little Major League Baseball as the Mets signed Kevin Pillar to a one-year contract. Brewers trading for outfielder Derek Fisher. Uh, former Buccaneers wide receiver, unfortunately, uh, Vincent Jackson passed away. Kind of a shocking story there yesterday. Still waiting for some more clarity on that one. Uh, Pistons, uh, Blake Griffin exploring options. Looks like his time in Detroit is done. And uh, and Clarkson, the Jazz, beat the 76ers in that marquee matchup. 134 to 123. So didn't quite live up to the billing if we thought it would be in terms of a close game, but can't doubt anything Utah's doing to this point. And uh, unfortunately, Davis, it seems like Blake Griffin, you know, I mean, boy, I mean, it looked like he was on his way to a Hall of Fame career, but his last couple of stops have not gone well. And it looks like another one is uh, is headed in, in tune here for Blake Griffin. Yeah, it is. It is actually very sad um, because I think that a lot of people are not going to remember what Blake Griffin was, which was, you know, probably the best in-game dunker of my generation. I mean, his his rookie season, 22 and 12, you know, rookie of the year, just a, an unreal game that night. Some of those high flying Clippers teams, people are just not going to remember how great he was. You know, he would play uh, point forward when Chris Paul was on the bench on those Clippers teams made that great front court addition with DeAndre Jordan and in a weird way you know I kind of think that his career came at the wrong time if Blake was entering in the league now he never would have played power forward you know he just would have straight been a center and you know compare him to someone like Draymond Green Blake is better at everything than Draymond Green better shooter better passer better dunker better defender and you know I, I think he could have been the best player on a title team if he started his career right now. Yeah, I mean, kind of sad to see some of these players end the way that they are. And I, I guess on the flip side, Carmelo Anthony 
getting a lot of accolades for playing as well as he is toward the end of his career, if if, if not particularly the end. Uh, we had one baseball signing yesterday, or at least I, I think one fantasy relevant signing. I'm not sure about Derek Fisher getting any playing time with Milwaukee, but the Mets signing Kevin Pillar, and I, I know that the Mets tried to sign Adam Duvall. That did not get done, Davis, so they go to Kevin Pillar. And, you know, we just talked about Dominic Smith yesterday. Maybe there's some platoon for him there. Of course, they still have Conforto in the outfield, and uh, they've signed a couple of other players as well. So Pilar is that kind of guy in fantasy, Davis, as you know, who if he gets 400 plate appearances, he's probably going to hit 10, 15 home runs. He's probably going to steal 10, 15 bases, but he's now been discarded by, I think, three teams in two years, if I'm not mistaken. I think it's Toronto, the Giants, the Red Sox, and now he's on to the Mets. Yeah, and it's it's very bizarre, too, because we were just talking about Dom Smith yesterday and saying, well, he's probably the strong side of a platoon. Um, right. And now it seems like he, I mean, it just, I don't see the way he ever starts against a lefty. I mean, he would have to just be tearing the cover off of the ball, I think, to get any meaningful playing time against lefties this year, you know, the way the Mets are going to manage things. And also, uh, you know, it's it's putting him in a spot where even if he gets the start against a right-handed pitcher, they now have multiple options to bring guys in off the bench in the later innings against lefty relievers, you know, because they can bring in VR, they can bring in Almora and they can bring in uh, Kevin Pillar now. So I just I just don't really see a path to 500 plate appearances for Dom Smith now. And, and, you know, as we talked about yesterday, his NFBC yeah. ADP, it just seems way too rich now. Yeah, no, it's it's the Mets have made a lot of moves to fortify their bench. And, and I think that this is probably a, a big one too, especially if he makes the club uh, out of spring training. Um, you know, hate to end on a little bit of a downer here, Davis, but, you know, playing his fantasy football as long as you have and as long as I have, boy, I got to tell you, this one shook me yesterday seeing Vincent Jackson passing away. And certainly we don't know the whole story here. We, you know, pass along our condolences certainly to his family. But, boy, you know, this was a really good player in the NFL and seemed like a great community guy well in, in Tampa Bay. But, unfortunately, you know, things happen with these players that play football and, you know, kind of a sad ending, you know, for sure to – to talk about here on the show. Yeah, uh, very, very sad news. I have very fond memories of Vincent Jackson. He was on my very first ever championship fantasy football team back in 2009, uh, 1,200 yards and nine touchdowns. You know, just a, a, a great player, a uh, guy who left a big mark on the community in Tampa Bay. Very, very sad to hear about uh, about his passing. Yeah, for sure. All right, we got to uh, take a quick break here on fantasy sports today, and we'll uh, you know bring along some better news here because we got our fantasy standouts coming up next. We'll bring in Brett Levy, go over everything that happened in the league, including a monster game again for Julius Randle of the New York Knicks. What a great signing that ended up being for them. Uh, of course, with no Kevin Durant, we'll find out how James Harden and Kyrie Irving did on the court, and of course, plenty more to come as well. Later on in the show, Josh Cohen will join us talk a little sports cards from PC Sports Cards, go over some of the different cards that are hot, including the rookie card of Larry Bird, Magic Johnson. I know that everyone once upon a time may have had that card, may have torn it apart. We'll get to that next year. So don't go away. More fantasy sports today. We're off and running here on this Tuesday. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.
Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports today here on SportsGrid and SportsGrid.com. Great to be with you here on this Tuesday. Plenty to get to here. Let's talk about some fantasy standouts. We bring in our producer, Brett Levy, as always, here to go over everything. Of course, Davis Maddock and I going through it for you here as another big night for, I would, th- I would say, more than a couple of players in the NBA as far as DFS is concerned. So let's get to it. Uh, DeMontis Sabonis, anytime he plays, he makes our list. It's been a recurring theme all season long. 25 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists, 1 steal, and 4 blocks. Bradley Beal, another win for Washington. I think this is back-to-back 37-point games for him. 8 rebounds, 3 assists, 3 steals. Russell Westbrook with the triple-double for Washington. Julius Randle was the big winner last night. 60-plus FanDuel points, and Hassan Whiteside, I don't see him very often on here anymore. 26 points, 16 rebounds, one assist, five blocks. Whiteside here in South Florida, Davis was uh, was very well-loved for, for a long period of time until he forced his way out. But uh, as we bring in our producer, uh, Brett Levy, as well. Uh, Brett, I mean, you're making these lists for us every day, and DeMontis Sabonis just shows up. I mean, he's definitely an all-star in March, that's for sure. But it's just a matter of how far he has come this season. What kind of award can he possibly win? Yeah, I mean, he's definitely going to be in the conversation for most improved player. Uh, might end up on an All-NBA third team, depending on you know how the second half of the season goes. He's not an all-star, but I think the Pacers, you know, looking back on that Paul George trade a few years ago, got to be thrilled they got DeMontis Sabonis in that deal. A lot of people at the time thought uh, it was a deal for Oladipo, but really this is their franchise player here. This is the guy they're going to build around. And, you know, I think he's a great fit for that team. He's obviously playing really well. Their front court with him and Miles Turner, they kind of play nicely off each other, can play inside and outside. So uh, he's just been a really impressive player this year. Um, unfortunately, probably Julius Randle is going to win the most improved player of the year because he's been unbelievable. Um, he showed signs of this two years ago in new Orleans. You mentioned the Knicks signed him last year. It was kind of an okay season. Wasn't really that great, but he's been fantastic. 44 last night against the Hawks. Uh, so that was a great performance for him and the Knicks got to be loving what they're seeing out of him. Uh, but it is a contract year for Julius Randle, so maybe there's a little extra motivation there. Davis, what do you make of Julius Randle this season? Have you been in on him in uh, in DFS all year? So what's interesting is I was never really a big Randle guy, and I think he's one of those guys who is probably held back when the team is not his. You know, when Julius Randle is playing next to really ball-dominant guards, when he, you know, obviously it was never entirely his show with the Lakers, you know, was playing uh, alongside, you know, some of those young guards there too. 
And it was one of those things where like his assist numbers were always really poor. He was never thought of as like a, you know, a playmaking big man. And and we kind of have that dynamic with him playing next to RJ Barrett now, but I imagine, you know, Randall is going to get the max contract, you know, eligible for a player of his service time in the NBA at this point. Uh, So obviously congrats to him for betting on himself. I do think the problem you have with Randall, if we want to talk, you know, real NBA, not fantasy is he has to play center for to you know to maximize the offense around him and i don't think he's good enough defensively to play center so again you know kind of like how we're talking about with blake griffin where he kind of had to play out of position i i think randall is kind of a man without a position in terms of winning nba basketball yeah fair point there uh nicks will take it for for what it's worth they haven't hit on a ton of guys like this <laughs> so anybody that they'll hit on you'll take it all right uh some later games fantasy standouts here we got harden with the triple double 29 points 13 rebounds 14 assists one block Kyrie irving with i believe is it a season high 40 points for him 44 rebounds three assists and two steals tobias harris with another monster game 36 points 10 rebounds two assists and two steals but really, the story for the Sixers last night, even in a loss, was Ben Simmons, 42-9-12. That is a stat line, one assist and one block. Jimmy Butler did all he could for the Heat, but they just continued to struggle. 30 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists, 2 steals. He got the triple-double there. And then Bam Adebayo, 27-12, 7 assists, 1 steal, and 2 blocks. And and Brett, I mean, I mean this, this non-trade for Ben Simmons seems to, like, reinvigorate him, both on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. And maybe the Sixers are looking back on this thing saying, we made the right move not getting Harden. Yeah, I think the Sixers kind of went into this offseason and built their team out a way to play with Ben Simmons. So it made a lot of sense that they wanted to keep him and. Uh, try and see how this roster would go. They added a lot of shooting, whether it be Steph Curry, uh, another year of Shake Milton, uh, Danny Green also came over. So they added shooters, and they're like, look, if our point guard's not going to shoot, we're going to surround him with guys that want to be on the perimeter, can move without the ball, and can catch and shoot. Um, and obviously when you're playing with Joel Embiid, now last night that wasn't the case, but all right. season playing with Joel Embiid, that's going to help. Uh, you know, he's been unbelievable this season. And, you know, when Tobias Harris is making his shots and gives you a reliable, true second scoring option, uh, it opens up the floor a little bit for Ben Simmons. So I'm not surprised he's playing well. He's an elite defender in this league. And yeah, we're all waiting on the jump shot, but he can find open players in the corner. He's an elite passer. And uh, there's things to like about Ben Simmons, whether he can score, you know, 30 points a game. That's not all you need to do to be a successful player in the NBA. Uh, I don't think Dennis Rodman ever came close to averaging 20 points, right? So, and he's a Hall of Famer for his rebounding. So there are other right. ways to make impacts on games. Yeah, and uh, one of a kind in, in the worm, no doubt. Uh, Davis, your takeaway last night, I know here in South Florida, it's like this recurring theme with the Miami Heat. It's been, I mean, I guess when you set the expectations and you go to the finals, things have to change. That's a good thing, I think, though, for teams. And, I mean, if you looked at the stat line between these two guys, Butler and Adebayo, you'd be jumping for joy. But it just has, it's just been a weird year for them. 
It's been, I mean, probably no team other than Memphis has been as ravaged by COVID-19 protocols and by injuries. You know, Jimmy Butler has missed a bunch of time. And then, you know, Hero is in and out of the lineup every single night. You know, I think my guy is still sampling uh, some of the Miami nightlife, even in the middle of a global (laughs) pandemic. So it's, it's, it's hard to keep him. Uh, out of the the COVID protocols, but I, I this is a team. You know, we talked about the Eastern Conference Finals uh, futures yesterday. As long as they're not the eight seed and they don't and they you know they avoid the Nets, I think that the Heat can still win the Eastern Conference Finals. You know, Butler, Hierro, and Bam. That is about as good of a three players as you can roll out as a big three. You know, really, other than the Nets. You know, I I think, for example, the Bucks versus the Heat. If you gave me a good price on the Heat, you know, a, a fair and rational price, I would take the Heat in that matchup. I so I I am maybe trying to buy the dip a little bit here with Heat because I, I think they have obviously a great a great culture, um, and I think that uh, you know Butler is a little bit underrated by the markets, and Hero has not gotten into a groove yet, but I do think that he is, you know, one of the best young players in the NBA and can score about as good as anybody else. Yeah, Duncan Robinson has been someone they keep having to uh, rely on for sure. Uh, Brett, tonight in the NBA, anything in particular that catches your eye here before we let you go? Well, the uh, no, uh, not the Nuggets, excuse me. <laughs> the uh, Mavs just had a game postponed uh, for tomorrow due to like the emergencies in the area, but for tonight. Mm. Uh, I think I'm looking for Toronto, Milwaukee, as well as uh, Denver and the Celtics. Those will catch my eyes. Those are some teams that I expect to be playing late in the year, and I want to uh, go watch head-to-head tonight. Yep. All right, cool. ESPN is reporting by the Spurs have had some COVID issues here. I I believe it was Woj that reported four players testing positive for COVID. So their next two games have been uh, postponed, but that's the nature of what we got here going on in the NBA. Thank you again, Brett, for coming on. Really appreciate it. Davis and I will continue to talk a little fantasy as we go from a little NBA and coming up next, it's time to go to a little major league baseball and average draft position at the first base position. We'll get Davis's thoughts on some of the players that he likes going into 2021 Wondering if there is a, a pretty big bounce back for guys like Pete Alonzo. Kind of had a tough 60-game season is what we saw last year from Luke Voigt. Legit. We'll hit on that next. Don't go away. More fantasy sports today. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today here on Sports Grid, Craig Mish, along with Davis Maddock. And when Davis, I don't know if he started playing fantasy baseball at this time or you were in the middle of it. I don't know what your history is on it. But, Davis, there was a time at first base where it was like the position to wait on, always. It was like, okay, I could get Albert Pujols, or I could get Adrian Gonzalez, or I could get Joey Votto. There was like 15 guys that all hit 30 home runs, 100 runs driven in. Edwin Encarnacion, you just you just knew that in a fantasy draft that why would I take a first baseman in the first four or five rounds when they're all more or less the same? They're all hitting 30, driving in 100. Uh, Davis, that has changed quite a bit. And it's not like the position in particular has been a revolving door of different players. It's just it, it kind of feels like teams have platooned more players at first base. Uh, I, I, I don't really have a full explanation for it but it just feels like those days are gone now and it's it's harder to find those ones that are at the top well the reason why it's different now is that uh first basemen don't hit for average anymore there there just are not very many guys who are going to hit 35 home runs and hit for a passable average more of what you get at the position now is one yeah a lot more guys are in platoons because you need offense from first base so you don't want to have a lefty on lefty first baseman you know there there just are not that many david ortiz is out there who have left-handed power against left-handed pitchers but the the huge problem is you know guys who hit 40 home runs you know for example uh you know joey gallo is not a first baseman anymore but but the uh the archetype is there of the guy who's going to hit 230 and hit the home run. So, so the guys who hit for right. power and average, you just got to pay a huge premium for them now. Yeah, no, that's it's it's a big part of the of the game and, and the way that it's changed, which is why two years ago Pete Alonso was just so well thought of because it looked like he could do everything, and of course he took a little bit of a, a step back last year. But uh, Davis, real quick, let's take a look at some just ADP numbers here uh, according to Fantasy Pros as far as some top 100 to 110 players. Luke Voigt with the monster season last year is being taken in the sixth round of virtually every draft. Paul Goldschmidt after that at 86 and a half. Goldie, of course, a little bit up and down over the last two years with St. Louis. Max Muncy at 95. I suppose if you're playing in an on-base percentage league, Muncy's going to get a lot more love for sure. Uh, Anthony Rizzo at 97. And then Alec Bohm, who I don't think will play any first base this year, but with Hoskins out last year, had to play some first. Yeah, one of, one, of, one of the rookies I do like going into the season, I would say, uh, with an ADP of 107.8. So so what do you make of sort of these all grouped together here? Void is being drafted strictly off his season, I would say, last year, maybe even a little bit the year before, has, has emerged as really the top power guy in New York. I mean, we thought it would be Judge and Stanton, but let's get real. It's been Luke Voigt. Um, what do you make of these? Yeah, so Voight is the guy that I am buying in spades. Uh, I'm in my first draft champions right now. I drafted Voight um, a little bit ahead of ADP, and that's true for a couple reasons. So the first is he does hit for a good average, career 274 hitter, uh, career 376 Woba. So he's not going to kill you there like some of the other power hitters at first base. You know, obviously he's not going to add any steals, but at least a four category contributor. But also, you know, this report that they are deadening the balls. I think that is going to place a power on premium that has not existed in fantasy drafts the last two years because kind of your assumption is everyone who can hit at the major league level can get 20 home runs, right? Or or even, you know, guys who have like a, a 60 power tool can hit 30 home runs, kind of no problem. And I don't think that's going to be the case this year. And Voight, basically, I, I mean, he doesn't have an 80 power tool, but he hits 
right. long home runs. He hits, he hits towering home runs. So I think, you know, 30, 40, even, you know, like obviously in a, in a 90th percentile season, I think he has the hit tool and the power tool to hit 50 home runs, even with a ball that is deadened out a little bit. So Voight is a guy um, you know, compared to some of these other guys that we are talking about here, Goldschmidt, Muncy, Rizzo, uh, and, and Bohm has a good hit tool as well. But Go- Voigt, I think, is going a little bit too cheap in these drafts because, for example, I think he could hit more home runs than Jose Abreu, uh, Jose Abreu, and maybe he could even match Bellinger, who's a first-round pick. Yeah, and look, Bellinger, to this point, I would say that you really should exercise caution with him. There was a report last week that he's mm-hmm. still only swinging with one hand going into the month of March. So, I mean, they're targeting opening day, but uh, we got to get real with him. He's probably not somebody that I'm going to be taking anywhere in fantasy this year, for sure. Um, You know, going back to some of these players again, you know, the other, the other name that I always find interesting here is Max Muncy, because just in the past, Davis, the one thing that I like to do, and I did have him last year, although it didn't really help me all that much was uh, putting Muncy at second base in fantasy. You know, it's like that position eligibility, depending on, the kind of league and the format that you're out that you're in and second base is probably I would say now going on what two three years one of the more thin positions in fantasy we just don't have those guys anymore that are hitting 20 30 home runs so while you can find late options at first base second base is not one of them and now with uh, Turner back at third I, I guess the only spots for Muncie are first and second yeah, I mean, trying to find power out of your second base. Yeah, you have we have uh, Keston Yura, who is mostly going to play first base, so kind of depends on your league eligibility in terms of how long right. you're going to be able uh, to play him at second. But he obviously is going to hit for some power, uh, you know, and, and, and we have Muncie as well. But then you look down the list, and it's like, okay, Moustakas is there, but he's not going to add you any speed, which is something that you like to get from your second baseman. And then after that, I, I think kind of after Moustakas, second base just falls off a cliff. You have Edmonds, uh, you know, Tommy Edmond, no power. Jonathan VR, we've already talked about, basically, you know, not not going to have every day at bats. Mm-hmm. Jake Cronworth, not going to have every day at bats. John Segura, going to absolutely slaughter you in average. So I actually do really like that theory there on Max Muncy. And, you know, with, with all the COVID stuff, like, let's just be real. The MLB season is going to have starts and stops and postponements just like they did last year just like the NBA is dealing with now. So that that multi-position eligibility, I think, is massive in leagues where, you know, maybe you're not going to be able to get a second baseman to paper over for one week. So you move Muncie over from first, you move him to second, and then you you paper it up that way. Yeah, Magical on, on the White Sox is interesting too and, and made his debut. And I think that, I mean, for all intents and purposes, he looks like a special player, uh, more along the lines of maybe like a Pedroia type, but he's going to get a chance to play and I think play every day and play in a great lineup for sure. No doubt about that. Uh, all right. Um, any potential uh, sleepers, uh, you know, Davis, let's kind of run through it here for a minute here. I know that CJ Crone is a name that you've been targeting early on in drafts. And then Carlos Santana, if you're playing in an on-base percentage league, his, his numbers are just so ugly every season. He's now in Kansas City. I mean, this dude could bat 180 and his OBP is 37%. So I, I guess it's all about format with him. Because if on-base percentage doesn't count for you, Santana's a fun player and a nice player to watch, but not somebody you want. Yeah. So CJ Crone, if he finds a way to get 400 at-bats and cores, I think he'll probably hit about 260, given the the boost in batting average that you get right. there. And, I mean, we're, we're talking about a guy who, 
is going to hit 30 home runs and limited at bats. And if he gets, you know, I, there's a lot of different ways that playing time can shake out for the Rockies this year because they're not really trying to be competitive and they're trying to see if they have anything in Rogers or Hampson or McMahon, you know, that, that group of young prospects they have there, but Crone getting 600 plate appearances and with a, you know, a lion's share of those coming in uh, you know, at Coors Field, like I, I think he could end up being one of the most valuable picks in fantasy this year compared to the price you have to pay for him. The other guy I really like as a, as a quote unquote sleeper at first base is Rowdy Tellez, who should play the strong side of the platoon at first base and DH given that he hits left-handed. Now you could argue that his playing time, you know, his play appearances, you could project him anywhere from 300 to 480. If he ends up on the right side of that and he gets, you know, 450 plate appearances, this is, again, a guy with a career 250 batting average and could, you know, get as high as 280 because he plays in that stadium that does make batting, you know, that exacerbates batting average. Uh, you know, not going to add any steals, but is a is a relatively low-K guy uh, given his position and, you know, 20, 30 home runs in limited plate appearances I think is pretty doable. Yeah, and Rockies just are impossible to figure out why they don't use their young players, so it should surprise nobody if C.J. Crone ends up right. playing and playing a lot. The only issue that with Crone, kind of like on some other teams like the Colorado Rockies, is that I think that the question you'd have to ask yourself is that if he starts off and hits 22 home runs by the time we get to the Major League Baseball trade deadline, is he a potential guy that could be moved somewhere else. And I, and then that would zap all the value for the second half. But it's not something in fantasy that you really can be concerned with. It's just part of his story for sure. But, you know, Davis, that's always been the thing with the Rockies is that it's easy to identify Arenado and Story and Blackman, right? Like, you know that those guys are going to mm-hmm. play. But we've been waiting for years to see who Hampson is and who McMahon is and who Rogers is. Rogers had some injuries. Uh, Tapia is the other one you mentioned yesterday they don't play these guys every day. Like they sit for Matt Kemp, you know, like I don't, I, I can't figure out why they do this every year. Yeah. And then, I mean, even, even David Dahl, we wait forever to see this guy get every day at bats. He never sees over 413 partly, partly because they sit him partly because of injuries. And now he's not even on the team anymore. They, we, we literally right. never even got to see 600 at bats from David Dahl there you know, in the corner outfield for the Rockies. So it's, it it is, they are so frustrating because fantasy players are so keenly interested in their team. And then they just seem to do everything to make it more frustrating for us to speculate on their guys outside of, you know, the big three. Yeah. Weird signings with them. Uh, Ian Desmond, Daniel Murphy, you know, through the years, they just have made some peculiar moves and they draft all these nice young talented players, but we never really get a full chance, I think, to see that happen. Maybe that will happen this year, but I wouldn't count on it, knowing the way that the Rockies uh, operate there. All right, uh, got to take a quick break here on Fantasy Sports today, but don't despair. We're back for more fantasy discussion. Big golf uh, tournament coming up this weekend, PGA. We're going to hit on that. Hour two, we dive into sports cards, talk a little baseball. We'll hear from the CEO of the Marlins, Derek Jeter. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And welcome back, Fantasy Sports Today here on SportsGrid, SportsGrid.com. Craig Mish and Davis Maddock. We talk fantasy, we talk reality, we talk sports wagering every day here, noon to 2 Eastern. Thanks for making us part of your day. Well, Major League Baseball season is coming. Spring training, of course, is on deck here on uh, pitchers and catchers reporting today and tomorrow in Florida and Arizona. But, of course, the Major League season is going to begin in April, first week in April, as a matter of fact. And I know Davis is very big on going to games here in 2021. So am I. Trust me. Want to be at the games. I think we got a good shot to get into some games this year for Davis. I believe it will be the Cardinals in in proximity that he's closest to, although his heart is with uh, Kansas City, if I'm not mistaken. Well, those of you who watch this show know that I'm located in South Florida, and the team that's closest to me is the Miami Marlins. And yesterday, the chief operating officer of the Miami Marlins and Hall of Famer, who will be inducted this coming July into Cooperstown, Derek Jeter, was asked how many fans we can expect to be allowed to go to Marlins Park this season. Yeah, I think we're going to start, and don't quote me on it, but it'll be a little north of 20% capacity where we'll be able to, to, to start off. Um, you know, we're, we're doing everything that we can in our power to make sure that fans are as, as comfortable as they can be coming. But we, at, at the same time, recognizing that there's going to be some fans that may be a little hesitant to come. And all we can do is, is, is our best to make sure that we can uh, make them feel as comfortable as possible, which I know is difficult. Uh, you know, hopefully moving forward as more and more people get vaccinated, they become a little bit more comfortable. But, uh, you know, we're doing everything in our power to make sure that uh, they are as comfortable as they can be. Davis, jokes aside, and, and I got the jokes thrown my way yesterday, all day long, all night long. Probably the worst tweet I've ever sent yesterday with the mentions just on, on tweeting about that. Because, of course, everyone wants to joke about how the Marlins don't get fans, et cetera, et cetera. We do that on a different <laughs> show. Annoying. So, but on this show, I, I guess where I'd like to go with this here is that here in Florida, we're very different. We do things differently. We kind of throw caution True. to the wind in general. And I get it. I understand it. But if the Marlins are able to accept 20 to 25% of fans at their games this year, Davis, I would guess that even conservatively, there's a pretty good chance that you, as well as other baseball fans, are going to have an opportunity very soon to go see live action at a Major League Baseball game this year. And I'm just based off going off what Miami is allowed to do, which let's just say is a high number. I think that other places will be uh, allowing fans maybe at a little bit of a lower number. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, Missouri uh, doesn't really get its national credit as uh, as a state that doesn't really care either. Uh, we, we had fans mm-hmm. there at uh, at Arrowhead. 
during the playoff games. Obviously, there were fans there at the Super Bowl uh, in Tampa Bay as well. So I, I guess my thing would be I understand totally why people want to go to games. You know, everyone's been been cooped up in their house. We, we want to get back to some of those social experiences. And, you know, a lot of the evidence that we have right now uh, about transmission of of the COVID-19 virus is that it's much harder for that to happen outdoors. Obviously you're, you're outdoors at a baseball game. So uh, I, I would imagine that uh, the, the St. Louis Cardinals and the Kansas city Royals, both there on uh, on I-70 in Missouri, I would imagine that they are with the Marlins going to be some of the first teams that allow fans to be there. I don't know if I'll be there on uh, on opening day. Um, you don't know, don't know for sure what my plans would be, but I, I, I would imagine that that option for sure, Craig, is going to be there for me here in the, the state of Missouri. Yeah, I, I think so too. And I, and I, and look, uh, the, the Cardinals in particular are very reliant on the gate and very reliant yep. on the fan. And so, and then they're also, you know, they added Arenado to this payroll too. So that was kind of the issue with the owners, Davis, is that you can understand from their perspective, they were willing to give the DH and even give the postseason if they would just move the season back a month, because I think that, at, and, and look, we don't do the whole political stuff here, but it just feels like May and June, we got a really good shot of maybe even you and I being vaccinated. And I don't know that we have much of a shot next month. So, um, you know, I kind of understand where the owners were coming from there, but of course there's all that bickering and we lost out on the DH because of that. Well, uh, another signing that took place over the last couple of weeks was Jerks and Profar, who apparently had a lot of offers to go to different teams as sort of a Swiss Army knife, do-it-all player for uh, a number of different teams. But he really fell in love with being with the Padres last year, put together a nice 60-game sample, and basically said that he's looking forward to playing everywhere and, and could very well do that again for the Padres this year. I think last year we made we made the, the first step. And... You know, this year we, we got even better. So I'm I'm really excited, you know, to to start to start going in, in, in the direction we wanna go. And that's winning the World Series. So I'm really excited to, to start going. Yeah, Davis, the Padres price on FanDuel gives you no edge. They're like almost second or third highest uh, to win the, the World Series. So I'm, I'm sort of out on that. I, I usually don't jump in on those free agent sort of teams. And that's why I was not in on the Buccaneers from the start of the season either. I usually don't, that usually doesn't happen where the free agents come in and then they just win a championship. Uh, but with the Padres, they're definitely up there. And as we look at Profar's numbers from 2020, arguably the best stretch of his career. 343 OBP, seven home runs. In the NFBC, he's going about 226. So still a lot of value there. And of course, because he qualifies at second base, can also play second and the outfield with the Padres in 2020. And the name that you brought up earlier, Davis, uh, Jay Cronenworth, found himself getting every day at bats. Profar in that interview didn't seem to be all that concerned to know that he's coming off the bench. In a minute here, I want to go back and look. You know, We used to talk about the great prospects in baseball. I think Profar will never live up to what he thought he was going to be, but he's playing in a good team. He's playing on a good environment. And I don't know. What do you think? 60 games last year. We believe in that. Yeah. And the, the great thing is, is he plays on a team that will probably need a backup at a lot of different positions and Profar can play all of those. You know, so if you go and look at roster resource for the Padres, uh, they don't even have him penciled in 
for every day at bats, but he can back up, you know, the two corner outfield spots. He can back up Manny Machado. He can back up Fernando Tatis and, you know, he can even play first base. So against left-handed starting pitching, uh, he could get in there as, uh, you know, the, the compliment to Eric Hosmer. So really not impossible for him to rack up something like 400, 500 at bats without, re- you know, really having a, a quote unquote position, but just kind of being the fill in guy because he is, uh, you know, a, a pretty decent glove at a lot of those spots and a pretty decent guy at the plate. And I like, I like to think of Profar as kind of a, a great parable for how we think about MLB prospects because, you know, he was a prospect yeah. who was so famous that even me, as I'm a casual baseball fan, um, I'm getting more into it now that I'm doing a lot of these sports cards and everything, but I, I'm a pretty casual baseball fan, but I knew who Jerickson Profar was because he was such a highly touted prospect and he was always mentioned in trades and everything. And he's not a mega star. You know, he's not one of the hundred best players in baseball, but he's a, no. he's a fine player. He, and he gets a lot of at bats and, and, you know, he, he landed with a team that could win the world series. So I, I just kind of think he is overall kind of a cool baseball story. Yeah, and if he stays healthy and somebody else does not, then he gets everyday playing time. And I don't know what that exactly would look like for him, but potentially could be 15, 20 home runs on the Padres this year for sure. Uh, Speaking of which, I want to take you back in history real quick before we wrap this up at 2012, because Profar once upon a time was the number one prospect, as Davis mentioned, in all of baseball. And from looking at this list back in 2012, well, I mean, didn't go that well, at least at the top here. Uh, Profar is an okay player. Dylan Bundy finally last year showed some promise. I'm still skeptical on him, though, but he, he was great last year, at least in the first 30 games. Will Myers definitely got the contract, but never close to what anyone thought, with the exception, again, of last year. We have Taiwan Walker, who at this stage of his career is just looking for a one-year deal somewhere, has not lived up to what we thought. Trevor Bauer clearly has, so has Zach Wheeler, and then there is Garrett Cole there uh at seven uh but davis this is this is kind of an anomaly usually don't have four or five top prospects from a year i mean i don't want to use bust because will myers is not a bust and he had a good year last year and these players are playing at a major league level i think that's a little bit strong but from our purposes in fantasy if i would have told you that less than a decade after starting the top four prospects in 2012 would not be what top 10 rounds of a fantasy draft you would have said no way it's kind of where we're at yeah i mean the it, it really does just go to show that baseball is a weird sport and evaluating talent like every other sport you pretty much know if a guy is going to be good by the time he's 20 right. 21 and in baseball you'll have you know let's let's say joe adele you know former you know i don't know if he ever got to number one but he was like a super highly touted prospect yeah. and now mm-hmm. you know now he's in his 20s and he's played a little bit in Major League Baseball. I, I think he got like 150 plate appearances last year, maybe not even. Uh, yeah, 132 last year. And Joe Adele's 21, uh, going to turn 22 before the start of the season. And I can't say definitively if Joe Adele is good, if Joe Adele is bad, if Joe Adele is average. You know, I, I really don't know. And I, I also mm-hmm. have never had anyone explain to me in a way that made sense why that's true with baseball in a way that's not true with basketball and football. You know, we have teenagers come into the NBA and immediately, you know, lead playoff teams, right? Be the best player on playoff teams. That never happens in baseball. And if it does, it's, you know, uh, a Mike Trout, Steven Strasburg kind of like ethereal experience you literally see once a decade. So it just, it's just so hard to figure out if, you know, teenagers are going to end up being good at baseball or not. 
Yeah, it, you're right. I mean, it's like when you mention that, that it doesn't happen, my thought is, yes, it does. It's Juan Soto. And then I try to think who else, and there was no one. And it's true. It's like once every five or ten years, there's just that guy that does it. And and you're right. I mean, and, and when we did our, I think our, our podcast for fantasy football going into the season, you were very bullish on all those wide receivers. And I'm like, Davis is like crazy here. Like, they're all going to be good. And yeah, they were. <laughs> and, and by the way, I don't know if they were good. It was just a matter of every quarterback's throwing, you know, 60 passes a game and, and it helped us in fantasy. I'm not sure if it was talent or what, but that was correct. They all were good in baseball. Usually doesn't work that way, but I will say this, the players now getting to the big leagues and, and Adele is a good example of someone that is still on the iffy side, but the players that are coming up to the big leagues and playing a full rookie season, a la Pete Alonso two years ago, Jordan Alvarez of Houston, some of these dudes are hitting 30, 40 home runs right out of the gate. That never happened in the past. The rookie of the year was always the guy that hit 260 with 15 home runs and 60 RBIs. Now that doesn't come close. The ball, will that affect things? Certainly could. Maybe some of the young pitchers all of a sudden, because pitchers have been impossible to, to dissect also in their first year. Maybe that's where the change comes in. But Certainly, there's a lot to talk about in the fantasy baseball season upcoming, and Davis and I are going to handle all that for you over the next couple of months for sure as we get into our fantasy drafts, no doubt. All right, coming up next, a kicker in the NFL is now a multimillionaire. You don't see this very often, but the best kicker, arguably, I would say in the league last year, and probably, I hate to use the word clutch because there's data to back that up, but uh, one of the more clutch kickers in the NFL, if I could just use it for, for this show, ended up getting paid. And we'll see what that means for kickers everywhere. I know in fantasy football, it's probably like this big movement to not use kickers at all. Guys are missing extra points. Guys are missing field goals. And some leagues you're penalized for that. So we'll hit on that coming up next. In addition to that, in our second hour of the show, we've got our headlines. So if you're watching the show live, you just stay tuned. If you're watching us on YouTube, we post our videos every single day after the show is over. So you go to our website, sportsgrid.com, click on our YouTube page. You can catch us on demand 24-7, not just our show, but of course, Scott Farrell's in-game live. Uh, not only that, we have the morning after and the early line as well. Plenty to get to here every day right here on sportsgrid and sportsgrid.com. So we'll be right back, tell you which kicker got paid and how much. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
back, Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish along with Davis Maddock. And Davis, a, a new kicker, gets paid. Jason Sanders of the Miami Dolphins signs an extension to stay with the team. Five years, $22 million, $10 million guaranteed. And I got to tell you, Davis, like Sanders was awesome last year for Miami, no doubt. But we don't see this that often in the NFL. And I suppose the Dolphins did not want to wait a year or two before he could enter free agency. But congratulations, Jason Sanders kicker getting paid 10 mil guaranteed. Yeah, 10 mil guaranteed. Uh, my buddy, Patrick Laird, who plays for the Dolphins, loves uh, Mr. Sanders. Says he's a great golfer. Says he has an incredible short game. So, uh, you know, maybe would like to get out and play around with uh, with Sanders at some point. And it's kind of interesting. You know, we, we generally think that giving a lot of guaranteed money to a kicker is is no good. But we did see in the postseason a lot of bad kicking. You know, a lot of we saw yeah. Harrison Bucker not play up to his normal standard. We saw Jason Tucker miss some kicks. So, you know, I mean, it's kind of like paying for relief pitching in baseball where you're, you really are paying for past performance as opposed to future results because it, it varies so much from year to year. But the Dolphins have a ton of cap room, the way they've structured everything. So $10 million guaranteed for a kicker. I mean, it, it's better than them going in free agency and paying a ton of money to a running back. So, you know what, Hat, hats off to our friend, Mr. Sanders. Yeah, that's that's just wild to see that today. And, and you're right. I mean, Tucker... Uh, as part of my analysis, I think it was in the in the game that the Ravens lost, was that, listen, I'll just take the team that has Tucker because he's not going to miss a field goal <laughs> in an important moment. Very rarely in a bet will I say on a minus three or a plus three, yeah, give me the kicker. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think Tucker's probably a Hall of Fame. I mean, outside of Vinatieri, probably the only Hall of Famer, I think, uh, kicking right now or close to kicking right now. But, yeah, Sanders had a great year, made some huge kicks, 50-yard kicks, and, uh, and even with the Dolphins' offense not playing well, he was a big part of their offense for sure, no doubt. All right, coming up next, our headlines. We'll get right to it, so make sure you stay on the grid as we got plenty more to come and a little bit of a preview of the upcoming weekend in golf. This is Davis's go-to in DFS, so we'll do that next, too. Don't go away. We're back after this. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 